Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers came back to defeat the Maryland Terrapins 63-55 to to move to 7-4 and on the season and even up their Big Ten record at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, After a wildly ugly and forgettable first half of basketball from the Hoosiers and even a sluggish start to the second half, uh, IU really caught fire. If you want to put numbers to how ugly it was at one point, IU had 23 possessions, 23 points through the first 37 possessions. That's a crisp 0.62 points per possession. And we're trailing 32 to 23 when I don't really know what happened, but the light switch flipped on in a major way. They scored uh, on 10 straight possessions, scoring 24 points over those 10 possessions. And over the remainder of the game, they scored almost a point and a half per possession, which, uh, for those who watched the first half of this game, seemed like a dream beyond comprehension at that point. But uh, IU really came back um, offensively, led by Trace Jackson Davis in the second half and Race Thompson in the first, uh, and also played really solid defense for a, real, a long stretch in the second half, uh, shut Maryland down and uh, and was able to take the lead and extend that lead and, uh, and ended up winning the game by eight in what was a... Uh, important game for IU, uh, quite frankly, with playing three of the first four at home, already having dropped one at home to Northwestern. This was a critical game and one that IU won while getting very little in terms of minutes from Armand Franklin, who injured his uh, ankle, left ankle in the in the first half and ended up playing just a few minutes in the game. I believe he ended up with just seven minutes in the game. So on the one hand, if you had told me that uh, IU was going to only get seven minutes and two points from Armand Franklin. Uh, a win might feel like a, a hard thing to believe with this team, uh, certainly based on how they were playing offensively. Uh, credit to these guys for rallying back in the second half, taking the lead, and and not letting down as we've seen before. So there's lots to fix in terms of starting the game a bit better, but uh, but kudos to the team for, for rallying and getting a big win against Maryland uh, tonight. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we'll break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. Uh, for me, I, I took Trace Jackson Davis, made a steal, uh, got out in front of uh, the, the Maryland player, and uh, was able to throw down a dunk that made the game 47-43, to 43, I believe, with about 941 remaining. That started a streak of 12 straight IU points that Trace Jackson Davis scored, and that was really where IU extended the lead to double digits. During that stretch, he scored uh, in a variety of ways, scored in the lane, scored on some putbacks, uh, made free throws after banging knees with, uh, with I think it was Galen Smith again, and uh, and just a really strong stretch from Trace, who we, we all thought as we exchanged some text early in the game, just didn't seem to, to have it, didn't seem to have a ton of uh, attention when or not attention uh didn't attentiveness i guess to what was going on in the first half just didn't really seem tuned in uh as we've come to expect from him but in the second half he really locked things in and uh that steal and dunk was uh, the the first as i said of 12 straight points for him during a key stretch in the game so that was tonight's banner moment for me uh, the banner moment tonight is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Homefield Apparel, who is now in their fourth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call. With winter here and hoodie weather officially now arrived, you need to make your way over to their website, homefieldapparel.com. They have something unique for everyone on your shopping list, especially IU fans, and all of their materials 
material, all of their apparel is printed on the softest, most comfortable, most washable materials you'll find anywhere. Want a few suggestions? Uh, I have bought stuff from the Colorado School of Mines. Uh, I got a nice Hawaii sweatshirt, a Delaware Fighting Blue Hen sweatshirt. In addition to uh, some IU uh, stuff that I ordered, I got my email today that I got a couple IU things of the designs they released last week uh, have officially left. So I'll be anxiously awaiting their arrival and uh, ready to put those on when they get here. Uh, so remember, uh, it's not just IU gear, although I know that's what most of you are interested in. Uh, if you've got anyone on your gift list, which uh, suggests I should probably have edited this copy beforehand, but maybe you're still giving out gifts or like me, you've sent gifts that the Postal Service has yet to deliver to their rightful owner and you're looking for something different. <laughs> if you're if you're looking for that, you can get IU stuff as well uh, as over 90 different colleges and universities with new ones being added all the time. And their designs are so unique, interesting, and vintage that you may end up like Coach, buying shirts and hoodies for schools you barely heard of just because you like the design. And you can always save on home field on your home field order by using the promo code assembly20 at checkout. That'll give you 20% off your entire order throughout the year. So go to homefieldapparel.com, load up your shopping cart and enter assembly20 at checkout to get 20% off. Again, that's homefieldapparel.com. All right, now it's time to move the ball, find the open man and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we'll start with Ryan Phillips. Uh, Ryan, I think after uh, the first half probably had a, a pretty good rant teed up, but, uh, but you'll have to go in a different direction, my friend. And uh, so I'll throw it to you for your thoughts on the game tonight. Yeah, they stole my rant. They stole my rant by coming back to win. Uh, Doing us all talk. a huge favor, to, I, to exactly. be honest. Uh, they, uh, we'll talk about what I was worried about in the partially in the first half uh, in a little bit. But what I want to say is I want to, I want to open up the race Thompson appreciation hour right now, because I know trace Jackson Davis wound up with the, the bigger numbers tonight, but race Thompson was the only player who came out ready to play from the beginning. And, and even trace, I mean, trace had a huge second half and, and closed out the game like an all American should and look like looked every bit, the all American in this late, especially late in the second half. But from the jump, Race Thompson was in this game. He was their only offense in the beginning. He was the only one willing to attack. He was grabbing rebounds. He finished with 11. I just think that off the jump tonight, and he was defending really well, too. He had a block early. Uh, I just thought that he wound up with the most minutes, too, at 35, and there's a reason for that. He was playing from the jump with energy, uh, intelligently, and, and was attacking offensively, which we haven't seen from Race as much lately because he's kind of taken a backseat to Trace Jackson Davis in the post. But with Trace struggling early on, I think he missed his first four shots and did not look good and did not look energetic and did not look like he was ready to attack. Race did, and he was trying to make things happen. And I just thought that without that energy early on, Indiana might have gotten blown out of the game to a point where they wouldn't have had any chance to come back his rebounding his defense and then his willingness to be aggressive offensively were all things that kept Indiana in this game early and then the rest of the team sort of caught up with him about midway through the second half and and you know were able to turn it on and win a game that they should have won I mean this is a this is a game they should win and and so the fact that it was even close is for so long is is disappointing but at least they showed up and won it um but yeah, I think Ray Thompson deserves plaudits for how he played right out of the gate, especially it's hard to maintain that energy when the rest of the team doesn't have it. And uh, Coach, we'll throw it to you next for your uh, coach's corner on tonight's game. Well, it, it 
you got to focus on the positives. One, the, it was a grind out win uh, in a in a Big Ten. It's going to be tough to get wins. You, you held home court. Uh, we're already down one game uh, at home. You got to sneak one or two on the road uh, and have some tough home games uh, coming. That was good. It's good to see teams handle adversity. Um, this this team did not play well, but came out with the win. So there's a positive. And it's also again. Uh, why you want a program that's founded in defense because defense will keep you in games uh, when your offense is struggling or non-existent like Indiana's offense was almost non-existent in that first half. So, you know, the foundation really helped tonight that uh, that they play solid defense, kept Indiana in the game, and then when they got into the groove offensively, uh, then they were able to extend the lead and and, and win uh, somewhat comfortably down the stretch. Those are all positive things. Two and two in the Big Ten. Uh, and a real tough opponent coming up. Uh, but this, I, I hate to say must wins, but this almost was a must win if if you're going to be a tournament team and have any aspirations of having a year that improves from last year. You go down one and three and have to go on the road against Wisconsin. That That's just setting up uh, one of those struggles. Uh, credit to the players for finding it. Uh, credit for the coaching staff. Again, uh, what's said at halftime is being heard uh, and the adjustments are being made. Uh, someone in the chat said, uh, you know, we might be a second half team. I hope that changes, but at least we are doing stuff um, and, and, and making adjustments. You also saw a lineup with Hunter playing the three. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see what they say, what the coaches say of why they went to to that. Maybe more shooting against the zone, uh, maybe more rebounding. But I thought that lineup was there when Indiana started to make their run, despite Jerome Hunter uh, making some tough fouls and a shot at the end that uh, definitely wearing a ball cap tonight, right? So uh, definitely a YOLO win. shot. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's you know when you win win in the Big Ten, you you've got to enjoy it, uh, and, and especially this year when thirteen of the fourteen teams are capable of beating you every night. Uh, ugly, not ugly, whatever. Wins are wins. And um, we'll have a segment here where we'll focus on our concerns, as we always do. Uh, but congratulations to the coaching staff. Congratulations to the players for pulling out a hard-fought victory over a Maryland team who went into the Kohl Center and beat Wisconsin. Uh, so, so you know, yes, they're, the, they're at the bottom of the standings right now. But, man, anyone in the Big Ten you beat, you know, it's it's really good good win. Yeah, so so let's talk about that lineup change in the in the second half because that to me, while, while I'm not doing the full lineup analysis, you can look at the the second half box score and get a pretty good idea of of what went down. Uh, you know, with without uh, Armand Franklin, Rob Finnessy started in his place in the second half, and so it was was him, Al, TJD, Race, and Trey Galloway. But when you look at the minutes played in the second half, you had Durham and Finnessy both play all twenty. You had Trace and Race play 18 and Jerome Hunter played 16 minutes. So that lineup was really out there the vast majority of the second half. And as you said, coach, when things started to turn in IU's favor, that was the group that did it. Archie stuck with them for a while, did uh, sub in a little bit there, uh, needed to get a few of those guys rest. And then, then that group was back out there uh, largely to, to close out the game. And that was after you saw some extended minutes in the first half for Anthony Leal in particular, who played 11 minutes, uh, four for, for uh, Jordan Geronimo, and, and uh, Galloway had 15 in the first half. So a big shift there, and I thought that, from a lineup perspective, was definitely the difference. So, so Coach, I, I'll kind of throw it back to you since you, you brought it up initially. Did you see anything different that they were 
doing offensively or able to do differently offensively with that uh, with that group because those guys were really the ones that swung the game back in IU's favor. I think Maryland's zone gave Indiana struggles because they weren't hitting the three, uh, and they were able to pack it in on TJD, and everyone got frustrated in the first half. And, and I think the coaching staff uh, uh, might have made a decision – Who's our better three-point shooters? And and Jerome hits one late. I don't think he really hit one, but he has to stretch the floor. Now you got L, Rob, and um, you know you could hide Galloway a little bit more because um, Galloway I thought took some bad shots from three tonight. But that's my that's the only thought because defensively he still struggled to guard the bounce. Uh, he still got driven, and when you put that lineup in, he's got to got to guard uh, the small forward. Uh, but I thought he did an okay job other than the, the, the fouling situation. Um, so that would be my guess is that they wanted to move. You saw him go inside out where even race was at the high post against zone, then stepped out. Then it was a reversal. Then they, they alternated guys in and out of that high post who could possibly shoot. And I think they just made an uh, adjustment. That would be my guess. Uh, I'd have to go back and really think about it because uh, it wasn't for defense. Um, it, it had to be a, an offensive adjustment at halftime because uh, th- that's what was needed. But that that's a guess. And I'll say this. Uh, Al Durham, I thought, passed up shots even at the beginning of the second half. He had one where I thought he should take the three, and he passes to Galloway, and Galloway shoots and misses. And I thought Al was, uh, and Rob both fell back into being passive um, in the first half, and they have to be aggressive. And I thought both of them being aggressive. It's a guards game. And we have a great set of post players, uh, just fantastic in in the two guys. But our guards have to play well. Uh, they didn't in the first half. They played excellent, I thought, in the second half, and and ultimately that's that's the difference. Ryan, your your thoughts on that lineup in the second half, particularly the play of Jerome Hunter. I know you were talking about him a decent amount when we were uh, texting back and forth about the game. Yeah, I thought there's a lot that won't show up in the box score for Jerome, but I thought he played pretty well. He moved the ball on offense when he did get it. I thought that sometimes guards dribbled into him, kind of, you know, in the spa- in the spacing. Um, I thought he did a really good job at getting it to the high post when he would get catch it on the perimeter. He wound up with a couple assists, uh, had three. I thought he had some great rebounds. I thought late there was a bucket where he went up for an offensive rebound. Now he missed the putback, but he kept the ball alive and Trace finished it off with his own putback. Um, and that was off a, a wide open three from from Durham that Durham rimmed out. And, and then, you know, he hit two threes. One of them will probably put Archie in an early grave, but he made it, you know, and, and you can't really argue if a guy is that confident and makes his shot. Uh, but I thought defensively he got driven at, and I know he's not a great defender. He's not going to be an elite defender. But when you have four good defenders on the floor and you're playing the pack line, you can deal with having – one guy who's below their level because that's the only guy you really have to help out a lot. Now, if it's two guys, three guys, that's when you run into problems. But if there's just one guy you need to help out and everybody else holds their spacing and holds to their region of the floor and holds to their guys, it's it. you can survive on that. And Indiana did for a long time. Now, Jerome fouling two three-point shooters. I know Coach didn't like one of those fouls. It was a landing area foul, and I definitely could see it not being called, but I definitely think his foot was close enough, you know, closer than it should have been, whether or not it was in the landing area or not. The second one, you can't slap a guy's hand on a three. You just can't. What, if you, unless, what time was his a, first three? I think his first three was really big. Wasn't it in that 8-0 run? Yeah, it was, it, it, it was down it, 10. It was when they started playing well, yes. It was, yes, so yeah, it was a momentum three, too. 
Vinnessy hit the first one to make it to take it from ten to seven, but then Jerome hit one in that stretch. And yeah, it was it toward was, the it was toward the end of that. It was they scored on yes. ten straight possessions. It was on the ninth one. Um, and then was yep. Trace's Trace's steal and dunk was right after that. Yeah, yep. so that put him ahead. Jerome's three put him ahead. Jerome's three put him ahead. Yeah, that, and sometimes you look at stats like you said and it doesn't show up. You might have missed a lot of threes, but when a three goes in at a time, that breaks the momentum. It just breaks it and adds to IU. Yeah, and Mojo is key by Jerome. Yeah, and and I think the thing we've noticed about him is he's not shy. He he'll take it at any point if he's open, <laughs> if he's stepping into it. And of course, that showed up later. But I also think defensively, I thought he grabbed some key rebounds. I thought that he was moving the ball again, not stuff that necessarily shows up and jumps off the stat sheet. But he had a couple key big rebounds. He had a couple of nice passes for some assists. hockey assists. Probably, he was, and he was willing to get the ball to Trace Jackson Davis at times where people weren't. And and even you know passing it to Trace and getting him in that high post, Trace can attack. But he also was kicking out and finding guys. So I I do think that it was one of his better games. Even though you look and you're like, well, six points, two assists, three rebounds. But I do think it was one of his better games, particularly this season. And what I would also say is. And I know this is a flawed stat, but Trey Galloway was minus 14. I thought he had his worst game as a Hoosier tonight. He's a freshman that's going to happen. You're going to run into clunkers, especially, and, and he was due for one, especially in, in conference. But I thought that it was really a good move to switch Jerome in, a veteran guy who doesn't get excited, doesn't get moved around, and he played well. He stepped up, to the, he stepped up when he was given the minutes. Brent, my son's in the chat, makes a great point. He hit that three after fouling that first three-point shooter. And kudos to Archie for not just pulling him for that mistake yeah. and leaving him in. And then again, uh, to Jerome for having the guts to go back down and, and shoot uh, and make that three. That's a great point. Um, yeah. And again, no, like that could break that. him to go on and get double-digit scoring and, and do some of those things. So Jerome is one of those, um, you know, kind of behind-the-scenes heroes. Yeah, yeah, he and, had a, and, he had another three right. rim out from the opposite wing as well, so he was, was pretty close to out. hitting hitting three yeah. in the second half. But and it yeah, was I mean, a, he it was, was a good shot too. It was a good shot of a ball reversal wide open, and it 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 was down and out. You can't. There's nothing you can do about those. You know that that was a good shot. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for a guy like him as well, being able to play enough to get into a rhythm, um, and play with the same group of guys. It, it's definitely positional. Uh, that was a factor as well. But he strikes me as a guy, especially for as much time as he's missed due to injuries over that time, like to really let him get loose and warmed up and into the flow of the game. That was a big difference. And he was, uh, at least the box where I'm looking at, said he was plus 18 in the second half alone. And that's with Fallon, two guys on three pointers. So, um, you know, you still don't want to do that. But uh, but we're going to keep that lineup, though. Geronimo's got to play better. Uh, defensively, oh, he's okay. Offensively, you know, know his shot selection, but you're going to see Jerome back he, up that four spot. Um, if if Jerome's going to play the three, Geronimo's going to play some minutes at the four. So that's a piece of that lineup too. Well, yep. and I also think what happened was they were kind of using Jerome as a swing guy. There were a couple times he came in for trace or race, or he slid down to the post again. You know, so I mean, they're really using him, and then when. Race and Trace are both in there. Slide him back out to the perimeter. I think that he's got to be that versatile yep. inside-out guy. When he's in as a four, it's a stretch four, or he's in that high post area against the zone and able to pass out of it. So I thought, hey, you know what was good about that lineup? It was five veterans on the floor, and they succeeded. You know, I mean, that's the heartening thing. We've been asking for veteran guards to step up, and, and guys you're supposed to count on step up. Well, it was the main group was Rob Finnessy, 
Al Durham, Jerome Hunter, Race Thompson, and Trace Jackson Davis. Those are the five guys coming into the season. You said, we got to count on these guys. You don't know what the freshmen are going to give you. You got to count on these guys. And they, they did step up in the second half. Now, the first half is a completely different story, but they stepped up when they needed to, to put the game away. Yeah, so that really, to me, is the other main storyline. And as much as I would love to forget that the first half ever happened, we joked that we were going to uh, say that, you know, when you're watching a replayed game on TV where we, we've we moved ahead in the action to, to a different time. But, I mean, it, it, this was another really slow start by this team. The offensive numbers in the first half were just dismal. 9 of 30 from the floor. If you take Race Thompson out of that, they were 5 of 25 from the field, 0 of 9 from 3. Um, didn't turn the ball over a lot, only five turnovers, but just looked really inept offensively. And I, I'll give a little bit of that to you had to adjust to try to play without your second leading scorer and the guy that's really been a, a creator uh, at the guard spot and a, and a steadying force in the backcourt. However, the offense during that stretch, the play of, of Trace Jackson Davis was you know, kind of trying to either – some kind of weird mix between draw fouls, but also avoid contact at the same time. Yeah. That's um, what he does. He goes into that mode sometimes. We've talked about it. Yeah, it just, it, you know, I, it was really... Was he two of nine in the first half? Yes. Uh, yeah, it was. And he, I mean, he took one elbow jumper, but otherwise everything he took was within four feet of the basket. So so I don't know what really the, the answer is for, for that issue. And, and coach, I'll throw it to you first. I know you said somebody in the chat had mentioned, you know, maybe this is a second half team as a coach. How do you change that? Because this team just did not look locked in at all. The Franklin injury shakes him a little bit. And then they just played horrible offensive basketball the whole first half and, and into, you know, the first few minutes of the second half. You, you are really, and, and you know, Archie's got to figure it out because there's just no excuse for the lack of offense in the first half. There's none. He's got to figure it out, and it's on him ultimately. But there is nothing worse as a coach when your best player is not locked in uh, and goes two for nine. So there goes your main offensive idea leading into the game. And then, like I said, your guards. Rob didn't have a good half. Al didn't have a good half. Um, Armand goes down, has a turnover that leads to a wide open three, and then he's out. He only plays seven minutes. So there's your second leading scorer gone. Now your third and fourth guys aren't playing well. There's not an offense. You can go down your play sheet and nothing's going to work. It's a horrible feeling. You got to just, at every time out, keep encouraging, move the ball, do the things. But there was no juice. And more concerning to me than any offensive scheme or player personnel, there was just – it looked like zombies out there. And they felt sorry for themselves. The first – the seven to six after the first media timeout, I thought they were attacking the rim. They got in a little floater. They got to the rim. I thought, okay, this is going to be pretty good. And then they got into one of those stagnant things. And Archie's teams have trouble four minutes, five minutes. And you've got to find a way – from the coaching aspect to encourage guys, have that set play. But when you load the box uh, against a post player and your perimeters aren't shooting and aren't aggressive, man, there is there is nothing. Uh, I mean, we face it in, a, in our high school team, and it is a struggle from a coaching. You look at your play sheet, and everything on there shows you that it's not probably going to work. It, it's hard. So it's got to be juice. It's got to be energy. Cut hard. Um, when they started doing it after the dunk in the second half, everything was full of energy. Um, the ball needs energy, and it didn't have it in the first half, and that's got to get fixed um, 
and that that rests with the coaches and the players. Got to you know look into um, you know you can't win the interview room the day before talking good about how what you learned in practice. You got to go out and do it, and you got to go out and do it from the tip. And yeah. it's just getting tiring. Yeah, coach. In the first half, as I said, you know, in the in the open, you know, Race Thompson nine point seven rebounds, three of them offensive. Played played seventeen minutes. He as as I said, you're right. There was no juice. He was the only one that came yeah. out. Whatever he's listening to in his headphones before games, the rest of the team needs to get on that. Because yeah. I mean, there was something about him that he popped early, four or five from the field, one of one from the free throw line. You know, he's grabbing rebounds. He had one turnover. He was ready to go. I, you know, the guy that impressed who was the second most impressive player in the first half was Anthony Leal. I, I thought that he came in, moved the ball, agreed, was aggressive, cut through screens. Now he got lost once or twice on defense. He's a freshman. That's going to happen. But he played 11 minutes and I was confident in him out there. He looked like he belonged. Now, if he's playing 11 minutes in the first half in every game, Indiana's in real trouble. But I thought in that game, he came in and he settled things down, played well, hung in. That the plus minus Moved the he, ball, the plus minus when he was on the floor is zero. So they didn't lose anything. Having a true freshman on the floor uh, who's, you know, one of the less heralded guys in this class, as far as maybe being able to play right away that, you know, before the season, a lot of people thought Geronimo might be able to help a little bit more. They think everyone knew Galloway was going to play. They thought Lander might be able to play. Leo was the guy where they were possibly talking about a red shirt. He came out in 11 minutes in the first half and looked real good. Had a steal. That was post defense po- was great. That was steal guarding you're the post. About. Guarding the yeah. post and came off of it and got a deflection steal. Just a smart hat. You know who he reminded me of? I mean, forget the offensive side of it, but the way he moved on defense, he reminded me of Jordy Hulls, which is interesting because that's where he went to high school. But, you know, and he was, you know, just move the way he moved, the way he got around screens, the way he did it. He was constantly moving, constantly in the right place. And quite frankly, Right now, with the way some of these guys played in the first half and have played in other first halves, you might just need a guy to be in the right place, you know, and 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 move the ball and and find the next guy. He took one three. I thought it was a good three in rhythm. It just didn't go in. But yeah, I mean, as far if we're looking for positives from that first half, it's Ray Thompson and it's Anthony Leal. And I thought Anthony Leal looked really good. Yeah, that that play that you guys talked about in the post where he really and it was another another possession where he got switched on to somebody in the post and did a good job. But the one where he got the steal was just I mean, that was just want to at that point. And, and I think when you look for somebody to really bring the enthusiasm, as you guys talked about, that energy that was there, he really seemed to have that uh, when he was on the floor. So. Certainly played well enough for me to earn other minutes. I, I can appreciate Archie not going away from the lineup that was working uh, for very long in the second half to give him too many minutes um, after the break. I think he might have just played a, a minute or so uh, late, but uh, he, he definitely provided a lift and, and was one of the guys, uh, along with Race, that, that you mentioned that I thought uh, did well in the in the first half and an otherwise, otherwise ugly first half. So... All right. Well, coming up, we are going to uh, talk a bit more about this uh, this victory. We'll bring you the meaningful moment that you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. 
Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is A.J. Moye. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! All right, and welcome back to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down Indiana's 63-55 to victory over Maryland tonight. And it's time for the meaningful moment that you might have missed. Uh, one of the ones that I had jotted down was that defensive play by Anthony Leal that we just talked about before uh, we went to the break. And, and the other one really for me was a, a stretch of play from Race Thompson in the first half. And, and Ryan, you, you mentioned this as well. He had a couple nice hook shots. Uh, in the in a sequence of about three possessions, so scored five points, got fouled on one of them, made his free throw. Also had a nice spin move um, where I think it got called for goaltending on the uh, and that tied the game at the time uh, toward the uh, you know, middle part of the of the first half. Just thought he was assertive and and smart in in terms of the way he attacked things. Maryland is a team that doesn't have a lot of size; they switch everything and play a bunch of six five six six guys and uh we've seen that from race at times this year where he's been able to exploit some mismatches did that against uh i think it was Devonte williams in the illinois game did that at times against northwestern as well i believe and and so just you know smart basketball from him but they were times that iu really needed a bucket when when he was able to get those uh when he was able to get those those hooks to go down because as we talked about before, Trace really hadn't hadn't done a whole lot. I his first hook came off of a series of I think seven or eight empty possessions uh, that were there, and you had Trace. You know, a lot of Trace's baskets in the first half came off of balls that got deflected or guys lost the handle of, and they just kind of found their way into his hands. But you know that stretch from Race Ryan, as you mentioned in the first half, really kept IU in it. His rebounding was strong. He had a, at least one, maybe two, one-handed rebounds on the defensive end where. Uh, he just he just corralled those, and I know you talked about this being the the race Thompson appreciation hour, but uh, I, I thought it was one of his better offensive games, just in terms of understanding where he could get the ball and do some damage. And then once he did damage in the post, he was able to get some confidence to step out and put the ball on the floor a little bit. Yeah, and he took a three at one point that I thought was a wide open look, but. It was within the offense. I mean, he got it at the top of the key and was wide open. I don't know if it was the right timing to take that. That was in the second half. But I agree. I think that race is really starting to learn angles and really starting to, you know, and he, he did it in high school, but I think it's it's just such a different learning curve at the next level. And I think he's also starting to recognize mismatches, as you said, and starting to recognize that, hey, when a guard is is on me, I need to get in the post right now because not only am I bigger than him, but I can beat him with a hook. And I think the confidence in that hook has really come along. And he's, you know, he's shown that earlier in the year too, but you know, you have two games where you don't show it and then it's time to, you know, try and bring it back. And I, I just think that uh, he's a guy who is starting to get more at home offensively. And it's hard when you're the other post guy across from a would be all American 
to, you know, find the spots where you're going to get touches. But I think that both he and Trace need to realize the more the other guy gets touches and the more the other guy finds position in the paint, it's going to open things up for his buddy across from him, you know? And, and, and I, I think that the way race can work out on the perimeter and in the high post offensively, not to score necessarily, but to move the ball and then switch, you know, swap spots with Trace Jackson Davis from time to time really is going to open things up for him. And he knows how to put the ball in the hoop. He just, he, he's starting to get there and it's starting to be instinctive, not where he's thinking about it thinking, Oh, well, I should probably shoot this. He's getting the ball in it and wanting to score. And so not as much as in the second half, but in the second half, Trace Jackson Davis got going. So there's really no room for him to do that. Uh, So I just think that again, it's a guy developing and getting better and better and better. And you have to remember, you know, half of his first two active seasons he's he redshirted his first but half of the last two seasons it feels like he's been recovering from something and so it's really been stunted growth every time and now it's the first chance of extended play where he's healthy and you're seeing the guy he can be against good teams and of course dominating against against bad ones i i I really think that he is starting to get better and starting to play much better and he just looks like a more confident player every game you know there's a there's a point there where I had written down, and I think two of them were to Race Thompson, but it was 16-6, to six, or we were down, I don't know if we were down 10 early in that first half, but the, it got back to 18-15, to 15, and I wrote down three straight post feeds, and I think two of them were to Race and one maybe uh, to TJD, and I have in parentheses Leal. That's when Leal entered the game, and he did a really yep. nice job of trying to get that ball. Our freshmen really feed the post, I think, better than our upperclassmen, and that's another reason why you might see Leal and Galloway getting some run. Uh, but that was really big because there were three makes right there that got that got the game a little bit closer again as, as Indiana was just struggling. Um, and it came out of a timeout and an emphasis – get the ball inside and whatever was diagrammed, get the ball inside. Um, that was a key, key moment. And race really, when race squares and goes to the basket, whether it's a quick spin, turn hook, or he goes, he struggles as does TJD when they try to go around people and throw the ball back towards the basket in their post moves. They've got to have enough uh, belief in their physicality to go up and through people and at least get to the foul line as, as race hit free throws. Trace Jackson Davis hit some free throws today too. They got to quit avoiding contact or going to get fouled and just making the strong moves there. But boy, it's nice to have a couple guys you can throw that ball into. Um, but race was terrific tonight. Yeah. And I want to say about our, about our young guys, I think the difference in the upperclassmen being hesitant is they, the upperclassmen are very conscious of not turning the ball over probably because Archie has drilled that into them. The freshmen have less of a conscience about that. They're willing to take some chances. They're willing to spin the ball a little wide with some with some side spin on it to get it in there. They're willing to maybe throw it through a little bit of traffic. And of course, some of that you want to rein back, but you want that confidence that they have to put the ball in there, not be worrying every time that there's going to be a turnover. The one guy who hits the high post every time against the zone is Trey Galloway. The other guys, there's two defenders there, so they're kind of like, oh, can I get it through well, there? The freshmen have know. an attitude. What are they going? What is he going to do? Bench me? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to throw it in there. The, the 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 starters are like, man, I can't turn the ball over. Yeah, he'll bench me. And the, and the freshman, hey, I got some run. I'm throwing that ball in there. Yeah, it seems that way. It really does. <laughs> uh, other other series of you know stretch play that I I thought was noteworthy came from Al and Rob. Uh, there was a lot of conversation about them going in to the Penn State game, a lot of conversation positively coming out of, of that game in terms of how they responded in. 
as as one of you guys said earlier, they both struggled in the first half. They were combined one of eight from the field, zero for four uh, from three point range, and and just really struggled and, and seemed to kind of fall back into uh, some old habits and and those kinds of things. But really, to start that stretch of of twenty four points and ten possessions, Rob gets into the lane, feeds Trace for a hammer dunk. Um, race makes a couple free throws, then Rob makes a three, then Al hits a scores on a drive, then Al makes a three. And then a couple possessions later, Rob has a nice drive and, and scores as well. Those guys really came to life in that stretch. And again, it was a tale of two halves with them as it's been, uh, it has been a lot of the season, but they really settled in. And in the second half for as, as little as they did in the first, in the second half, you had 15 points between them, uh, three assists and they uh, they made a couple threes uh, and just thought their play and both played all twenty minutes in the second half. So, uh, you know, any, any coach, anything you saw those guys do in particular differently after halftime that allowed them to really flip the script based on how they had they played were in the first aggressive. Half? I mean, sometimes a game of basketball is just simple. Um, the same plays were run, the same blocker mover motion where one guy goes to one side from the free throw line and L L curled, grabbed the ball, went to the rim. Um, you know, they did it early and then for whatever reason, after the first, uh, media timeout, it went stagnant for about 10 minutes until they fed the post for three. Uh, it seems like this team takes coaching and tries so hard to do what the game plan is to a fault. When you cross that black line, it's time to play ball, play ball, run what's there. Yes. But you know what? Um, we've gotten beat by two guys, the Audej guy and, and then the Illinois DeSumo by guys just making plays. And Penn State almost beat us by guys just making plays. There was no offensive design. There was no play call that some of these teams were hitting. It's just the guy saying, I'm in, the, I'm, I'm in open gym. I'm going to pull up and hit shots on you. Uh, we have two nice of guys. I think Al Durham and Rob Finnessy sometimes are too nice. you got to have a little butthole in you where you're going to just go and attack. I, I, I mean, yeah, I tried to keep it clean, Ryan. Uh, I, really, I really wanted to go the other direction. But you got to play. They were more aggressive. Rob was more aggressive, even on that block shot. I think we were down one or two, and he went the full length of the court, and the big blocked it, and the ball went the other way. That's plays you have to make. Um, this game is meant to be aggressive, not wait till the shot clocks run down and have some heave uh, for a shot clock. I just think they're too passive. And you, whatever motivation it is, you got to put a coach in charge of that, assistant coach in charge of that, yell, scream, buy them their favorite donut. I don't know what it is. But the difference between when the guards play aggressive and the guards play passive is the difference between a an acceptable offense and just a crappy offense. And and I'll put it on on those guards. And the coaches have to get it out of the guards too. Yeah. I'm not going to dissolve the coaches from this because I think the coaches have some real issues uh, with this program right now. Yeah, when it when it comes to your senior leading leaders at guard it's definitely a relationship between the coach and the player. I mean, they, they both should be on the same, especially when your head coach is a former point guard, you know, who knows exactly what he wants out of the position. He's got to be able to translate that. I will say Al Durham in the second half, 10 points, uh, two of five from the field. One of them was a three. The other was a drive, but he also got fouled a lot going in and hit five or six free throws, you know, and, and only one turnover. And that came late trying to break the press. He threw the ball out of bounds, um, which of course gave me a heart attack, and I don't think he should ever touch the ball in the backcourt on a press break ever again. But we've seen years of this. I'm done with it. Uh, you got to find somebody else that you want to give it to. Somebody has to touch the ball, Ryan. Yeah, I, <laughs> Get I the understand. ball across. 
I understand. At this point, I'd rather just have Race Thompson bring it up. At least maybe he'll give it to Trey and have him whir- whirly yeah. his way all the way. Well, through. and I was thinking, I was thinking, well, they they got Hunter, but then I remember Hunter was the one who kept oh. who was put in such a bad position last year against. I won't bring up last year's Maryland game. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, I thought Al just was a different guy in the second half. He just was, and and he was attacking, as you said, aggressive. Even if he wasn't scoring, he was getting fouled because he wasn't driving to get fouled. He was driving. It's ironic. When you drive to get fouled, you don't get foul calls. But when you drive to score, you may not score, but you'll get calls because you're aggressively going to the hoop and not aggressively going to the side of the backboard, hoping to get a, you know, to get some kind of call. He was two of five in the second. There were a couple of drives that there were a couple of threes. I mean, that didn't fall. Um, I didn't think any of them were necessarily bad shots. Uh, one of them got, you know, rebounded for a putback. So you feel okay about that. It's making something happen, and it leads to a positive uh, thing for IU. But in the second half, you know, Al and Trace Jackson Davis and Finnessy and Hunter were all massively in the plus in the plus minus. Uh, Durham was plus fourteen. Jackson Davis plus fourteen. Hunter was plus eighteen. You know, those guys just in general played well. And 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 as bad as they played in the first half. They played well in the second. You have to give them credit for that. And and you want it sustained throughout the game, and you know they can do it, but it's frustrating because you see how well they play when they're, as you said, Coach, being aggressive, taking guys off the dribble. Even when Finnessy doesn't get a chance to finish, just taking guys off the dribble, it opens things up. It opened things up for Trace Jackson Davis for a dunk, you know, and it just gets the – it makes the defense Just getting move. into an offense instead of being passe and ten, six, yeah. seven seconds go off of the offense and then you're you're stressing to get something off. And just ball reversals with a well, little Well, we've juice. talked about it. We get the ball inside it. the three-point line with, with yeah. more than 10 seconds left in the shot clock. Exactly. No, we've talked about going north and south. They need a guard who can go north and south. That's what Armand Franklin does. And now we're hearing that Armand Franklin – Doubtful for the next two games with his with his uh, with a sprained ankle, and it's that's what you expect when a guy sprains an ankle. We'll see how he responds to it. It's not set in stone, but he was the guy who was going north and south for this team. So those other guys have to step up. There's no there's no other option here. You know, if you're Al Durham, this is your last couple months playing basketball in college. You gotta be aggressive. They, they don't you know leave it on the floor. It's it's such a cliche, but it's true. Leave your best basketball on the floor, not in your dreams when you go home. Leave it on the floor. And, and he's really got to constantly be pushing himself to be better. And, and when he does, he's an effective player. He's a guy we thought at the beginning of the year would be a huge part of this offense. And when he's good, this team wins games. It's that simple. And so you see that in the second half, and you just want him to maintain it. All right, any other moments you guys wanted to hit before we uh, talk stats? I'm going to take that as a no. No. You covered it. I mean, it was that stretch, you know. We all uh, saw the bad. We all saw the good. I, I don't know yeah. if we missed any of it. No. You can't miss that bad stuff for 30 minutes or 25 minutes. Yeah, you know, I, I would agree with you. All right, so let's go inside the numbers. Uh, we, and we haven't talked a ton about the defense, and this seems like a good time to do it. Uh, Maryland came into the game, I think coming into today, they were 10th. Uh, they're 11th as I look at it right now, and it hasn't updated from this game, but – 10th or 11th in adjusted offensive efficiency in the country. And IU gives up uh, 55 points on 30, looks like about 30 or 62 possessions in total. And over, and they gave up some points late. Uh, they gave up about 10 points over the last, I don't know, six, eight possessions uh, when they let up a little bit. But over the first, uh, 
25 possessions of the of the second half. They'd only given up 18 points, and I thought the defense, uh, sure, Maryland missed some threes and, and did all that, but for the game, Maryland shoots 38.5% from the floor. Uh, they were in identical 10 of 26 in each half, 28% from three for the game. Uh, free throw defense solid at 53.3%. Uh, but the defensive effort, uh, I thought in large part was was really good coming off the, uh, especially coming off of the way that they had played against Penn State and Maryland in some ways wanted to do similar things in terms of spreading you out. They don't really have a, a post guy that they want to dump the ball into. Uh, they were missing Daryl Morsell. It's worth uh, worth noting that. But uh, coach, as you look at defensively how IU played, what what stood out to you that allowed them to to be able to hold? A, what had been a really efficient Maryland team to such a low points per possession? Uh, rebounding. It, it's been stressed over and over again. I think uh, Maryland might have had two offensive rebounds in the first three or four possessions, ended with six. Um, so, so you know, that's a key for this team, uh, especially when they play small, maybe when Hunter in in the second half, that, that helped. But to give up six offensive rebounds and only four second-chance points for a team that shoots a lot of threes, uh, you know, they shot 28%, so there's going to be a lot of long rebounds. I think we cleaned that up uh, extremely well. So, um, you know, this team has been, other than the Penn State game where I thought they lost their fundamentals, and I did a little video on that for the community, I thought they've been pretty good defensively. You know, you're not going to hold a team scoreless. You're going to get driven every once in a while. You're going to miss an assignment. I thought they got back to the fundamentals today as much as possible, um, covering actions and, and blocking out. But the rebounding stat to me stands out as you finish defensive possessions with a rebound and don't give them second, third opportunities. You're going to be in a lot of ball games, and Indiana needed that today, especially with the poor performance in the first 25 minutes offensively. And then when things got going, it was an, it was a little bit easy victory to go from ten down to to eight up at the end, uh, simply because you were finishing defensive possession. So the stat that sticks out defensively for me is 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 the the overall rebounding too forty three to thirty three. You could also say the offensive rebound. I thought when the energy found Indiana, their offensive rebounding. You know, and, and that could help your defense too. When you start building a four-point lead, six-point lead, the, the game pressure goes on the other team and they don't run their offense. I thought Maryland's shot selection sucked uh, in, in the second half because they seemed to be desperate. Well, that's because Indiana hit the offensive glass as well. Um, I don't know how many second-chance points. And uh, four, had 14 in total. Yeah. So, you know, that's where complementary uh, – everyone talks about complementary football offense. Complementary basketball too. You put pressure offensively. But rebounding tonight uh, was really, 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 I think, a key part in this win for the Hoosiers. Yeah, I, I, that was the stat I was going to point out, Coach, is you out-rebound Maryland 43-33. to 33. You win by 10. And I felt like they dominated the boards. Even when they weren't playing well, they, they were closing out and, and, and dominating the boards. And really, that goes to, that goes to Race Thompson and, and uh, Trace Jackson Davis. They had 26 combined. Now, you had a couple guys – with a few, you had, you know, Geronimo had two, Hunter had three, Finnessy had two. You know, the guards didn't really step up and put in big uh, numbers with rebounds, but they really didn't have to because the other two guys were dominating. And so uh, your post guys stepped up and did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, in terms of other stats, uh, the assist numbers, IU only had three in the first half, had seven in the second half. That, that turned around. Only 10 turnovers for the game. I know that continues to be... A big point of emphasis. A couple of those came uh, late with the uh, with with the press. Um, you know, one was on a not this wasn't late, but a shot clock violation in the first half that was just 
kind of a silly uh, turnover. But yeah, overall, Trey Galloway drove when he should have shot. Basically. Yeah, overall, IU took care of the ball uh, well and was 15 of 18 from the free throw line, and uh, that that content 12 of 14 in the second half. So, uh, you know, big big numbers there. Uh, both. Yeah, TJ- that was my other. That yeah, was my ahead. other stat, Andy, is that for this team to be successful when it's not making threes, it needs to batter the other team from the free throw line. I mean, it needs to, you know, it needs to, it needs to win that battle at the free throw line handily. And it did today. I mean, eight of 15 for Maryland and Indiana made more than Maryland took or made as many as Maryland took with 15, to 18. So that's where you get those extra points. We've talked about that at length. Is that that's where you get those extra points if you're not making threes. You need to be able to hit free throws and get free points there. And they did. They did a good job. And uh, Trace missed two, and I think, and Durham missed one. And that's it. And um, only three guys took them, but they stepped to the line and made them in key situations. Yeah, the three-point shooting, uh, as you alluded to, 0 of 9 in the first half. I think they missed the fir- at least the first 11 did finish four of 13 in the second half. So if they missed the first 11, uh, I know at a minimum they did that. So hit four of the last 11. I, I guess that makes you feel a little bit better. But as you look at the composition of where IU scored, they had 36 points in the paint, 12 points behind the arc, and 15 points at the free throw line. And that was it. Nothing, absolutely nothing in the mid range. Um, so maybe that's Armand Franklin's area, right? I, I, mean, I guess they just stopped using it in, in, uh, in deference to him, apparently, since he wasn't playing the game, I don't. The I don't Armand know. Franklin Memorial Mid Range Memorial Mid Range Zone. Yeah, well, uh, they better open it back up against somebody else here at some point, or they're going to continue to struggle to score. Yeah, and I think part of that is I uh, Trey Galloway. We talked about him, and I'm not trying to rag on him. I, I think that he's a freshman and he had an off night, and that that's fully acceptable. I mean, you're playing a freshman this much; he's going to have off nights. But you know, he took four threes, and I get antsy when Trey takes one three. So, you know, the fact that he's taken four and a couple of them were really bad. There was one where he was kind of dribbling at the top and just decided, oh, I'm going to launch a 22 footer or whatever it was and and just kind of launched one. And and it's he's got to be better than that. You know, he's supposed to be the smarter of all these guys. He's supposed to be smart and understand game and understand clock. And you know, there's 23 seconds on the clock or 20 seconds left on the clock and he's launching from deep and he's not a three point shooter. Now, that's Armand Franklin. You're fine with it. He hits from deep. And, and so I, you know, there were a couple times, one of them he took that was off a reversal and it was early in the game. And I was like, all right, he, he took his three for the game and it looked terrible. He should not do that again. And, yep. you know, he took a couple that were forced and the other three were definitely forced and were not close. They weren't online and, and they were off. And, and that's just something of his game that's going to have to get better. And, you know, if he's wide open, there's nobody around him. He's got to take one, but he cannot be launching four threes a game if they're not going in, you know, and he can't take one when Al Durham had a shot that was just as good. And yep. he won more to Galloway at the top of the key. That, that shot's got to be Leo had one too. And, and Leo in the corner, up. right. And, and, and passed up. So you got to know who you, you got to play your game and know your role. Uh, like you said, you got to take him So people come out and guard you at some point, but if there's a, there's a guy that has a better shot. You got to let him take it. I thought turnovers too, you know, Archie talks about turnovers. Here's a game where he had 10, uh, that's acceptable. And when you're struggling offensively, you need as many opportunities to get fouled or, or get shots up. You can't also shoot bad, execute bad, and then turn over the ball uh, and expect to win, win in the Big Ten. So that, that, that turnover number is something to look at as well. All right. Well, I think we've uh, gotten all we can out of the stats from the game and, uh, and touched on that. So 
Uh, we're going to hand out our game balls when we come back and hit any other lingering storylines. Then we'll look ahead to IU's next opponent on Thursday. And then it'll be time for last call. That's all here next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot, or an episode of The Assembly Call. You're listening to The Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. Again, that's IU to 66866. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down IU's 63-55 to victory over Maryland. And now it's time for game balls. Uh, Ryan, I'll throw this to you first, even though you uh, you said earlier who you're going to give yours to. So. This this won't take long, but I'll uh, I'll give you first crack at it. Look, this isn't a TV show. We don't need to give him cliffhangers. I, I'm going with Ray Thompson. I thought his energy in the first half kept Indiana in the game and sort of opened the, the basically made it so Trace Jackson Davis had an off could have an off night in the first half and, and Indiana could wind up winning the game. I think that he sort of crawled so Trace Jackson Davis could could walk in the second half. But I, I just think that, you know, when he comes with energy, it affects the game across the board, offensively, defensively, on the boards, uh, everything. And and so with 13 points, 11 rebounds, uh, he had two block shots, a steal, played 35 minutes and was plus 10, made all his free throws, you know, was efficient, four of seven from the field. I just think that his energy was what kept Indiana in the game and and allowed it so the game could stay close enough where Indiana didn't get blown out and had a chance to go get it in the second half. Coach, which way are you going? You know, uh, that, that's is this hard to argue? One, it's Ryan, and I've never known Ryan to be wrong. Uh, so thank you, buddy. Kind of, you're welcome. Um, and it's 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 hard to go against him, but I'm just going to throw out um, Trace Jackson Davis, so it'll go to you for the 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 t- uh, tie deciding vote. I, I was worried that was what you were going to do. I appreciate yeah, that because I mean, he didn't play well. Indiana didn't play well. He starts to play well, gets a massive dunk, totally turned the game around with that dunk, got energy back, and finished with. 22 points and 15 rebounds and a steal that was, the you know, also uh, a part of the Sports the big Center win. top 10, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going to throw it out there just so that there can be a debate. Let me, let me say this. I would not argue with Trace Jackson Davis winning it. I think he had a wonderful game, and I think he had a huge game, and I think he played like an All-American. I, I, so not too much pressure on you, Andy. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to go with Trace. 17 and 9 in the second half, uh including four offensive rebounds, a couple steals. Uh I, I 
certainly disappointing and frustrating to watch the way he played in the first half because uh again it just felt like he wasn't he wasn't locked into the game and we've seen that it feels like a couple times and then all of a sudden he turns it on um but you know knocks knees with a guy toward the end and basically is yelling over at the sidelines don't take me out don't take me out i'm good i'm good um you know stepped up scored those 12 straight points in a in a big spot there so i'll go with him um I, I will likely go with Race Thompson for the uh, for the next award, perhaps to earn my way back into Ryan's favor. Um, but uh, so we'll go with uh, we'll go with TJD. Both guys uh, very worthy, and and to me the two uh, the two clear choices. So with that, that brings us to the Mike Roberts Real Hustle Award, and uh, so I'll, I'll go first on this one. I think that's I slotted Race in for that because I thought that's a lot of what he did to get buckets in the first half. Was rebounding was really good. Um, opportunistic in terms of finding finding spots to to post up when he had mismatches and converted around the basket really well uh scored in a few different ways and and continued to while he didn't score as much or maybe not even at all in the second half the rebounding was still there defensively he was asked to to be able to step out because of the way that Maryland plays and uh contain dribblers which I thought he did a really good job of uh for for most of the game um so he did have four points in the second half as I'm looking at this hit all, all four from the free throw line and four rebounds. So I'll go with race for the, uh, for the Mike Roberts one. We'll, we'll do reverse order on that. Uh, coach who, who you got for, uh, for your award. I, I think it's a no brainer um, because without race, we, we don't win the game for, for all the reasons Ryan wanted to give him the game ball, his, his effort and hustle. And he's key too. when he's had down moments, the team doesn't perform. He's that energy giver for this team because he blocks shots. He gets rebounds. Um, and you know, you can't expect young kids to every game, 40 minutes be full of energy, but we really need him to be. And I thought tonight he was a, a huge difference maker, uh, in the victory. So I would give it, I would give an honorable mention. I think L get some for his second half turnaround and his aggressiveness too. That's the kind of hustle coach Roberts would want to see. And that helped too. But I think, uh, the coach Roberts award goes to race pretty easily. All right, yeah, Ryan, what do you got for that one? I, since I've already used race for for the other one, uh, I had Jerome Hunter penciled in here just because I thought that he played well, and I, you know, it, it, the lift he can give with Armand Franklin out on the perimeter, I think was key to the game. And I thought that, well, again, he's not a perfect defender; he's never going to be. I thought that he had some key rebounds, he had some key assists. He was kind of sort of a low key key to this game. And of course, hit those threes. But I just think that it was one of Jerome's better games. And as we talked about earlier, not something that shows up in the box score. I just thought he was solid out there. And he was on the floor when they played their best basketball. And quite frankly, that's the biggest compliment you can give a guy is the team was better when he was on the floor. Forget all the points and, and, and whatever. The team was better when he was on the floor. And I think that's a key. I thought about Hunter for 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 that role too, but the coach in me uh, can't give it to a guy who fouls jump shooters twice, given yeah, three point, and then takes, takes a three shot. on the break. It, film session. I would love to be in film <laughs> session. I would pay money to be in film session because what you're going to do is you're going to praise, 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 and then you're going to use all the colorful language in your repertoire to say, <laughs> "Don't do this again." So those of you in the chat room, just fill in whatever word your mom told you not to use that's going to be said in film room about three times with with jerome uh but i agree i i think he he played his best game of the year and it's not necessarily in the stats yeah the other guy that i i hunter was another one although i i was kind of a, with coach where i was wait like, so who won did we all go 
Oh no, you you went with yeah, me. I, the two I, of us I went with Reese. Reese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm you, uh, but the I mean, the other guy that I, I really thought of was Leal just because of what we said, where he gave him yep. some really big I did minutes. Too. Had in he the played in the half. second half, had he played yeah. more in the second half, I would have given it to him, I think. Yep. So, but a lot of, a lot of positive, uh, complimentary contributions from guys tonight, which I thought was, uh, which I thought was definitely a positive. Uh, so in terms of other storylines as we go, we'll kind of use this as a, as a springboard to talk Wisconsin a bit. So, Ryan, sounds like Archie had mentioned something about, Armand missing, um, you know, missing Doubtful at least a for couple games. Two. Yeah. And, and again, you never know with an ankle like that. He could respond tomorrow and it could feel great. They could ice it tonight. There could be no swelling, but he could wake up tomorrow and it could be the size of a beach ball. You know, I mean, there's, there's no, it just depends. They wrapped it quickly and, uh, you know, so, so we'll see, but I would not expect him to be at Wisconsin at that game. Yeah. So that really, begs the question of of who steps in to take some of those minutes you saw what what they were able to do in the second half tonight but coach as you look ahead to to wisconsin uh who, who's a guy that based on the matchup based on what i use going to need in that game uh you're really looking forward to uh to step up in armand's absence anyone who take out davidson <laughs> i don't care who it is but just take out that if Ju- I, I want to see, and there goes my mom again. I got, I can't say the words I want to say because it'll get an E rating on the. Yeah, we don't, we don't need that, that on dude, the ra- We don't need that on the radio. I'm We're gonna good. tell, I'm gonna tell everyone. There is no, I don't like Iowa for a lot of reasons, but I really don't like Wisconsin. Potter complains every time. Davidson flops and hits people in the privates. There, there's not a guy on that team that I really enjoy watching playing. But boy, are they good! And, and the trouble is, they'll they'll take yeah. you off the bounce. They'll post you. They'll run that swing, little swing action at times. They've gone away from it some, but um, the bigs can hit threes. Both Potter yeah, they, they and, got and four, they got four tough they matchup. Got four guys hitting more than thirty nine percent from three. You know, and yeah, so you know, you got 44, 44, 43, 39, 36. I mean, they can all hit shots, so that's where Indiana can't get and they, they can't get spread out the way they did against Penn State. They yes, and this is a game, and I don't know if Archie has it in, in his repertoire where I would say this is a no help game. Guard your guy, just guard your guy, prevent back cuts. If he's in the post, try to fight around like Leo did when he catches in the post, wall up and go one on one. We'll trade twos, uh, we'll give you twos. We don't want to help and dig down the post double team. Uh, and no, because they'll run five guys in there, and and, and you're going to double from this person. I would be a no help, guard your man, man to man, and send Davison. You know, I'd send a guy into the legal screen. You know, I don't care who it is, the <laughs> Could 10th, do a race. Man. Could do what race did in the what game was it where he was it Butler where he did where he just stood there on a backcourt screen and just annihilated yeah. a guy. Yeah, I mean the dude will flop left and right. You know, uh, it's just not an enjoyable night. And then I got a host and I, I got to talk about that guy. And it's they're good, they're really good. Um, but your athleticism can beat the, beat Wisconsin if you out athleticism. Uh, well, that's really good language. But <laughs> if you can out athlete them and get up and down the court. Uh, you, you have a chance, but you can't be hesitant. You're going to have to score some points. Trace needs to go for like, what, 30 and 15 in this one or something? Yes. And get them in foul trouble. That's going to be the key. Yeah, I mean, you look at – you're just kind of looking at what Maryland did to, to beat them because it's a team that, that we just watched. Um, and what was really uncharacteristic, if you look at Wisconsin statistically, they are uh, – 
top 10 in efficiency on both offense and defense. Their two-point defense is at just over 40%, so eighth in the country, uh, which should rightfully terrify IU fans uh, given IU's general shooting woes. And if that leads to a dependence on the three-point shot, then uh, perhaps look out. But you know, Maryland was was able to have some success against them. They shot 57% on twos. They were 20 of 35 on twos and didn't settle for a ton of threes. They, they hit six of 17, but did a solid job of being able to, to get there. And I think some of that is just Maryland's got uh, enough guys that can take you off the bounce that if they get a matchup they like, then uh, they go to that. And I think that's what you got to look for IU to do and, and figure out uh, how you can score. I think IU's defense has shown itself to be uh, good enough that it, it, that should keep you in the game. Um, but they're up to, yeah, Ken Palm just updated. I use up to ninth uh, in the country and adjusted defensive efficiency. So defense in, in large part has kept IU in games. They got to find a way to, to score against Wisconsin. And in some ways, the fact that it's not going to be played at a high tempo may help IU a little bit in the sense of not a deep team to begin with. And then you're missing one of your better players, but uh we don't need to tell anybody how much of a challenge it's been for IU to go into the Cole Center and win, and and we certainly don't need to get into any more of coaches' feelings about uh, Wisconsin, unless we want to get the uh, the that coveted explicit rating that uh, that we've been really angling for. So, uh, <laughs> so with that, uh, that that game will actually take place on Thursday. Uh, Wisconsin will have had a week to get ready for that. I don't know why it always is, although they had a game canceled, so I guess I can't blame the schedule makers. I, I do feel like there was a while where. Everybody last year, there was a stretch of games where almost everybody had six or seven days to, to get ready for IU. Uh, but uh, I think they had a game canceled due to, to COVID related stuff over the weekend. So, uh, that'll be Thursday. That'll take the place, uh, of assembly call radio. So, uh, that'll be our next show. Um, but for now you're listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. And remember to check out our friends at home field apparel to get the perfect gift for college sports fans in your life. Use the promo code assembly 20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. And with that, uh, we'll have last call here at just after 11 Eastern, uh, Ryan, I'll, uh, I'll throw it to you first for uh, final thoughts. Look good on the team for, for riding the ship in the second half and the coaches for riding the ship in the second half and figuring it out. And especially over the last about 15 minutes, uh, if Indiana is going to be a second half team, that's that's fine if that's their identity. But they can't have first halves as bad as tonight. They just can't because against a good team, against a better team than this, you're going to get sunk against Michigan State, against Michigan, against Wisconsin. You're going to get sunk if you don't come out to play in the first half. You can't have one guy in Race Thompson being the only one with energy to open the game. If you do that, you're going to get blown out. And that looked like where this game was headed for a while. Now, credit to Indiana for stepping up and playing better. And especially for Trace Jackson Davis really turning it on in the second half when he was two of nine from the field in the first half and just seemed to not be into the game. He got revved up and he got going and those veteran guards helped him out. But Indiana can't look at this game and go like, yeah, we won. We're good. No, you scored twice as many points in the second half as you did in the first half. And that is a problem. You know, you scored 42 in the second half and 21 in the first half. It's a problem. It needs to be figured out. And while the offense ran well in the second half at times. It needs to be ironed out and guys need to figure out their spots because again, if you want to be in the top half of the big 10, just the top half of the big 10, you're going to have to play much better than you did tonight. And you're going to have to do it on the road in some cases. So it's, it's, it's a game where you're excited. You're happy. They won, but there's a lot to clean up here and it's on, on those guys to come out focused every time they take the floor in that Jersey 
And, and they didn't do that tonight and it almost bit them and they were able to come back and win, which credit to them. But at the same time, this can't be a pattern. Coach last call. You know, I, I'm, I'm going <clears> to <throat> say a lot of the same things. Um, you know, a proud of the defense, uh, proud of the fact that the, that, that the guys hung in there and handled adversity and found a way to win. Those are things you can build on. And we still haven't seen this team play with all cylinders going at the right time. I mean, everyone playing, you know, their very best. And so hopefully that that is the pattern that we will see down the road, that we're getting this inconsistent play, either first half, second half, or this player plays well for a while, then doesn't play. Get it out of our system, get it on film, and learn. That would be a plus. But it is a little bit um, unnerving to see consistent poor starts, um, followed by halftime, you know, adjustments and they come out and play better in halftime because against your better teams, uh, it, the game's going to be over by halftime if, if you don't play that. And energy is the one thing that I think all of us as Indiana fans will appreciate a hard fought game that you lose if there's energy. Watching that first half tonight was torturous. I quit taking notes. I was not enthused. Still, still had hope that they would turn it around and they did. Uh, but it's not fun to watch a team play that poorly um, of basketball. And everyone in the program has to find a way to play more consistently for 40 minutes or, or we're going to have a lot less positive postgame shows. Yeah, from from my perspective, we looked at that Penn State game and and tried to figure out what, if anything, it really meant going forward, if that could be some kind of springboard into into better play where you found a way to win that game did you carry that over the next game? And the answer for the first half tonight was absolutely not, as you mentioned. And and so you hesitate to really read too much into the way that this team played in the second half because it just hasn't been sustainable game to game. It hasn't been building game to game. Uh, you kind of play half to half. And even within those, I, I took notes on a number of times where make a positive play, take the lead, go back down the other end and do something silly. So consistency is still... Uh, elusive for for this group to say the least and so you take that and you 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 try to figure out what that what that might look like going into a game at Wisconsin a game that you're not expected to win that you need to try to make up for losing to Northwestern at home by stealing one on the road somewhere is this a game where you can do that it feels like a tall task Uh, there's a lot of history against it uh, happening but I think what what you hope to see is did you did you spark something from Jerome Hunter tonight based on the way that he was able to play and give him a few extra minutes? He's in, inherently going to have to get more minutes with Armand uh, out for this next game. Did you find something with Anthony Leal, a guy that can give you, you know, eight, 10 minutes a game and, and move the ball and, and play well? It, it remains to be seen because, like I said, they really haven't carried over what they've done from game to game. But as I look ahead to that game, you need look no further than the guard play to figure out what's going to happen with IU. You're playing against a really veteran backcourt that coach is a huge fan of, as he said. Um, and you're going to see a lot more of Rob and Al. Rob will likely slide into Armand's starting spot. And you aren't going to survive a, a first half like those two combined for uh, tonight in the way that they've you know played in some of these other games. But if you can get the Penn State version of those guys, if you can get the second half version of those guys – I think you give yourself a chance because, um, as Coach said, it's it's a guards game and you've got to be able to get something out of guys who have been there before and are able to lead the way. And so seeing that veteran lineup led by those two in the backcourt in the second half, if you want to take positive 
uh, energy from this game that can carry you forward. I think if you get a good play from the guards, you can give yourself a chance uh, at the Cole Center. And if if you don't, it might be a long uh, might be a long evening on on Thursday night. So I'm hoping for the former and that the uh, the guys can can rally together and play a complete 40 minutes because that's what they're going to need to do in order to uh, to pick up a big road win. But that will do it for this edition of the Assembly Call. Uh, if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced much of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday after the Wisconsin game. Until then. Take it from me, Max Bielfeld. Keep your calves flexed, your elbows in, and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right. Well, that will do it, fellas. We survived. Survived the game. Survived the postgame show. Man, there's nothing worse than a bad first-half performance, a miserable first-half performance, and knowing you're going to go on the show and talk about it if they get beat. You're already. I mean, I love, already, I love doing it, and it's it's healthy after a loss and all that. But yeah, I no, I had firmly moved into the what in the world is going to be the banner moment portion of the uh, uh, of things at halftime, and even like I said, even the first few minutes of the second half were just as bad. I literally quit taking notes. I had about fifteen minutes left in the second half, figuring if this turns out, I'll say something. If it doesn't, <laughs> I'll say something stupid anyway. So. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. So Thursday at Wisconsin, then Sunday at Nebraska. Who's on the show Thursday, Ryan and I. Uh, I am, yeah. I think you too. I don't know if he had somebody else for for that one, but uh, is Jared? Wait, is Jared on that one? No. I think he thought he was going to be able to, but then said no. Okay. So and then, coach, I think it's you and me on Sunday, and maybe somebody else. Yeah, I can't be on Sunday because uh, NFL playoffs. <sighs> The day job takes precedence. Unfortunately. The old playoffs. What are you going to do? You got to make money, you know. Sucks. I had to go back to school today. Yeah, it was, my, yeah, it was my, my first day back, too. I didn't realize that uh, Jen and the girls didn't have school until their first day back wasn't until tomorrow. So poor planning on my part to be the one that had to uh, had to go back. Are you but, in, in, in office? No, no. Okay. Okay. Oh no! You said you went no, back to work. So it I did. Sure. It did make it. It did make it easier to to not have to go back in person. But yeah, it's. But I it I is, wasn't any. I was. I still was not thrilled about it. But I've been working made it a little at easier. home. I've been working at home now for. This will be my twelfth year working from home. So when a lot of people have been like, "Oh, it's been such a huge adjustment," you know, COVID working from home. I'm like, oh yeah, it's it's been real taxing for me. It's. <laughs> You know, trying to how many sympathize. monitors do you how many monitors do you have to watch sports? Just one. I mean, I have Just my one. my my computer and the you know, but typically one's enough for me. Um, I I do channel surf a lot. Though. I jump around a lot. I could do more, but it's the the setup we have isn't like if we were in a house, I might get an you know another one on the wall or something. But we we don't you know it's an apartment, so we don't have uh, we don't have a great setup for that. I get some like Michael Scott little TVs in the corner. The little, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Splurged went for the flat screen. (laughs) 
What? Nice. The plasma. I'm sorry. The plasma. Madeline's, yeah. Madeline's correcting me. She's the office expert now. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, All right. Well, all right. thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Good night, Glad everybody. They, uh, thanks. Came through with a win, and stay safe, and we'll, uh, we'll talk on Thursday. Thursday. All right. See you guys. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.